The Water Coolest daily financial newsletter is now powered by Barstool Sports. It's the only newsletter that I read every morning to stay informed on what the hell is going on in the markets. You can check it out at barstool.link slash watercoolest. That's barstool.link slash watercoolest. W-A-T-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-S-T. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tea with Publicity. It is episode 49. Holy hell. I don't know when we got here, how we got here, but we are here next week. It's 50, big five zero crazy. Um, today is a really cool episode because I had Emily DiDonato on. She is a model. She's currently pregnant. She launched a skincare brand. And What I thought was so interesting in our conversation is really digging into the ins and outs of the modeling industry and also just like society as a whole and the standards that are put on our bodies and our appearance. And um, it kind of reminded me of my time working in public relations. So I've been wanting to talk about my time in PR a little bit because everyone's always asking me about it. And it's something I like gloss over, but I've never really done like a deep dive on the pod talking about my time as a publicist. So today I'm going to answer some of your questions that you guys submitted and we will get into that before my interview with Emily. Then I will do the Ask Alyssa segment and then we are spilling the tea because Kravis is engaged. We saw it coming, but we'll talk about it in a little. Um, okay, so let's get into my my history in PR. Emily, my producer, is on the second mic today. Hello. How are you? Good, good, good. <laughs> I'm tired. I went to, um, okay, funny enough, rewind. Nick Tarani at our office. Yes. We're neighbors. We live 500 feet away. <laughs> Did you just figure that out? Or- no, no. We know. But like we've never run into each other, which we always say is so weird. And today I'm on the subway platform and all of a sudden I hear, what's up? And I'm like, <gasps> I just hear what's up. And I'm like, who's hitting on me on the subway? Because it was very like, just, you know, no one talks to each other on the subway yeah. platform. And I turn around and it's Nick. And I'm like, oh my God. And Finally. so we rode the subway to work together. That's so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> and then he's like, well, which stop do you get off at? And Because you could either transfer and get to the station closer to our office, or you can get off like, five blocks away and walk so I'm like oh well I transfer and he's like oh no 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 I don't so like at one time like then we parted ways which is so funny because we're going to the same destination but we parted ways and I was like I'm gonna go to Dunkin I want coffee this morning it was so freaking cold outside today that the second I got out of the subway I was like Dunkin's too far Starbucks is right here I'm just running into Starbucks wait I don't understand how this all of a sudden happened like it just got like the other day it was what like 70 80 I need a winter coat like I was freezing I could have worn shorts two days ago I know so all of a sudden I'm like I'm just gonna run into Starbucks even though I don't like Starbucks and I was like you guys know me I drink tea like I drink iced tea but I was like I want a fall beverage like because it was cold and like that was the vibe that I was in pumpkin spice so I was like and I'm not a pumpkin spice person actually but I was like what could I get so I went to the front And I was like, can I get like a skinny vanilla latte with almond milk? And she's like, well, then to not skinny because skinny means skim milk. But I asked for almond milk. Oh, I didn't even know that. (laughs) So I'm already such an amateur. Like, so I was like, "Um, yeah, okay." so almond milk latte with 
sugar-free vanilla. And she's like, how many pumps? And I was like, um. I hate when they ask you that. Like, just do however you do it. I don't know the answer. But also, I don't order fancy drinks. So I, I was like, um, like, how many should I get? And she was like, well, how many do you want? And I was like, just not super sweet. She's like, okay. So I order. She goes, iced or hot? So I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much. Like, now I'm really stressed. So I was like, um, iced, which, like, kind of defeats the purpose of me getting a fall, yeah. like, warm drink. So I get an iced, nut, uh, an iced almond, no, vanilla almond latte. I took two. First of all, it comes out. It's a venti, which is the biggest size. No. I did not order that. It's huge. It's so disgustingly sweet. It's just sitting at my desk. And I'm like, I just went, like, eight dollars to like for this fall dream and now I have this disgusting ass like sugary thing at my desk oh that's the worst so my morning my morning's off to like I've had like three sips of caffeine not only that but I'm also getting a seizure from this oh yeah guys if you're watching on YouTube and it looks like there's a strobe light in here (laughs) (laughs) there is um for whatever reason the fire alarm like the noise isn't going off but the light is flickering so I'm sorry um if you have like epilepsy please just listen on podcast because there's I'm li- honestly like I, I can't look at it you could put sunglasses on I know I need them um okay so let's get into my PR background so ah, there's so much guys that I can get into I want to preface this by saying and you guys have heard me say this on the podcast many a times I am going to write a book because my life in PR was so crazy. It was so the devil wears Prada that I have never on my old podcast, on this current podcast publicly, I have never shared half of the stories that I want to share because I don't want to tease something that I one day want to write in a book because then what's the incentive to read the book if I tell all of the dirt yeah that's so true so what I will do is I'll there's a few things that I'm fine sharing um that I could even retell in the book and you guys will enjoy but some of the create like some of the stories are just so insane um so like I've always had this hesitation of sharing because I don't want to say too much okay but you guys know me. I don't, can't keep my mouth shut. Um, so the first question that someone wrote in that I'll just start with was how I got started. So I'll back it up. When I was in college, let me talk fast because I know I'm just going to, I can go on forever. I always wanted to work with celebrities. I always wanted to work in entertainment. So my idea at the time was going into celebrity styling and I wanted to be celebrity stylist. This was the age of Rachel Zoe where her TV show was on and Brad Gorefsky and I just thought it was so glamorous and cool and I loved fashion. Fast forward, got an internship at Elle magazine, realized rather quickly that I was not cut out for that world. Um, Not that I didn't have like the grit, but I didn't have the love for fashion in the way these other people loved fashion. Like they were eat, sleep, breathe. They would be unpaid interns for eight years if it meant getting a base salary job at $30,000 five years later. Like they, people were just straight savage. And honestly, a lot of the people I know that work in fashion at that entry level came from like money because you don't get paid for like years you have to really work your way up the ladder to make 
absolutely nothing. And like that just wasn't glamorous to me. So I decided I still want to work in entertainment, but I want to get into PR. So I started taking entertainment PR internships in college. And I had a few. I was doing some celebrity news writing and reporting and um, working with celebrity entertainment publicists. And then when I graduated college, I applied for a job at a small lifestyle like boutique publicist firm. And um, my first job was a – it was called a lifestyle assistant, but um, I was more like the office bitch. Um like lifestyle assistant in the sense like I was supposed to be most other companies call it an associate because assistant's kind of like a weird terminology but nope they called me the assistant they acted like I was their personal assistant not the office assistant and um I was working mainly at that time on hospitality so a lot of restaurants but with restaurants come events so like whenever one of the restaurants would put on an event we were there so that was a lot of celebrity facing stuff and then I worked in events um for high profile events so doing um like the red carpets at the VMAs after party um we did a Brad Pitt movie premiere after party we did um the Super Bowl playboy party the Maxim playboy no, the Maxim um, Super Bowl party. So my was job this in New York. This was all New York. This was. Um, it sounds glamorous. I was making twenty eight thousand dollars. Like oh. disgusting. I love to tell people that number because it's so shocking. I thought like my old job was paying me horribly. Well, that's that's, rough. that's why I share that because I'm like <sighs> I need to paint the picture. Yeah. And. Um, my what I will say is my boss treated me well there was there was my direct boss and then there was the founder of the company and my direct they both treated me like shit but my direct boss was like I don't know it was weird because when I first started she was really nice to me so I was like ooh, like she likes me And then I started noticing I was doing really weird things for her. Like, she was getting married, and she would call me over to her desk and be like, hey, like, here's a USB port. Go to CVS and, like, do one-hour photos and, like, print all of these photos for me. So I'm like, okay, thinking it's, like, a work task. I'd go to CVS. I'd print the photos. As they're printing, I notice they're her engagement photos, her wedding photos, whatever. And then she'd be like, okay, now, like, make an album for me. What? Like, she was making me do personal tasks. Is that even allowed? No, but I didn't know because it's my first job out of college. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, my boss is asking me to do something. Let me do it. She kept always making me do personal things. Okay, this is another thing that she did. Because in her head, she was like, this is my assistant. I'm not your assistant. I'm the company's lifestyle assistant in this role. I'm not your... PA, whatever. Especially so, if she doesn't own the company. Like, that's no. really weird that she's asking you. And to now looking shit. back, she was probably like 27. Like, she wasn't. She probably was like, oh my God, there's this like new girl, and like, I'm going to make her do all of my personal shit. She, I remember one time, um, she said to me, again, I didn't like know the boundary. I'm just like, this is my boss. She's telling me what to do. I'm going to do it. She said to me one day, um, I need you to make me a wedding dress fitting appointment at like Bergdorf's so I'm like okay 
So I call. She's like, I need it for this Saturday. I'm like, okay. I call. I make the appointment for the time that she wants. I like G-chat her. Hey, you're confirmed. X, Y, Z, whatever. Here's the information. That was on like a Tuesday. Saturday rolls around. I'm at brunch with my parents. They're visiting me in the city. And she texts me Saturday morning being like, what time is my appointment today? And my like stomach sinks because I'm like, I didn't write this down in my personal calendar because I sent her the information. And I was like, you know, that's when you just at that time, like I just like, I felt sick and out to brunch with my parents and they're like, put down your phone, put down your phone. And I'm like, no, my boss is texting me like she needs to know. So now I'm trying to call Bergdorf to like confirm the appointment and like, keep in mind, for her wedding dress fitting, this has nothing to do with work. Like, I shouldn't have even been doing this anyway. Yeah. But I just didn't know. Did you tell your parents that day, like, what what you were calling for? I think they were just, like... Because, like, I feel like maybe they would have been, like, wait, why are you doing this? I think they also just, like, didn't get my job, though, in general, like, PR. So I think maybe yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah. know if it was, like, super weird or not. True. Um, But just, like, little things like that. And then she would always... I mean, she just also just treated me awfully. Like, she was very much in the camp of, I'm going to make you cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like one of those people yeah. that, you know. I think a lot of people see the way their bosses treated them, so yeah. then they treat the people that they manage that way. Whereas, I've always been like, my boss is treating me like shit, so, so I'm I not w- going to do that. Yeah. You know? I would never be the person to treat someone the way I'm being, like... Uh, oh, obviously treat others the way you would like to be treated yes. and not treat them the way you are being treated. <laughs> yeah, like it was just so crazy. I'll get to another question now because I went on a bit of a tangent and maybe that would lead me into some more stories. Um, someone said, is the culture as toxic as movie slash TV depictions make it out to be? Um, in my situation, my first job was extremely toxic. In other situations, like the reason why I switched out of entertainment and celebrity PR was because there is a less toxic environment in um, non-entertainment roles, if that makes sense. So, like, my second my, – my first job was entertainment PR. My second job was entertainment PR. My third job was consumer PR. And then my fourth job was consumer PR. I had four jobs in and five years. And what's consumer PR? Consumer is more, like – corporate um clients like consumer products so um I worked on Johnson's Baby and Band-Aid and Neosporin and like J&J brands or P&G brands like Secret Deodorant and that was more first of all the offices are different because they're like a little bit more buttoned up and they're more professional whereas when you're working on like spirit clients and you know, like alcohol and restaurants. It's like more of a different kind of vibe, at least from my personal experience. That's not to say that's like an industry standard, but I found that working in smaller boutique agencies had more, um, less structure and more hierarchical, like catty energy than working in like bigger corporate structures from my experience. Um, So I think it's toxic in some cases and it's non-toxic in others, which is why I did make the switch. And like my job wasn't as glamorous when I switched to working on a baby brand. (laughs) 
Well, still, I still also had a toxic boss in that situation. But I think sometimes you could find a boss that will micromanage you in any company. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you have a bad manager, you have a bad manager. Yep. Like I remember when I switched from when I switched from entertainment to consumer, it was a really big learning curve for me because I went from working in really scrappy environments where my bosses would be like, we have a $5,000 budget to throw an event and you need to make it look like we have a $30,000 budget. So like make it happen. So, you know, I was scrappy in the sense I would like find the cheapest florist in New York, find furniture rentals, like and make it look fantastic. And then I went to working on the consumer side where they would be like, we have a million dollar budget. And I was like, what? Like, like I couldn't wrap my head around it. And um, I just had this boss who, like, really micromanaged me to the point where she wouldn't let me send emails without her on copy of every single email I sent. Oh, how long did you work there? It gives me, like, I get a pit just thinking about it. PTSD. Um, I worked there almost two years or, like, a year and a half. And I'd say halfway through she left. Uh, and then I had a different manager, and I was way happier. I was going to ask, like, was she still CC'd on your emails after a full year? I also felt, like, a little personally victimized by her because we did these things, like these um, client reports where we would need to send the client a three-sentence update every Tuesday, let's say. Just updating, like, one highlight from the week. And every time I would write out one of these highlights, keep in mind, three sentences – she would redline the whole thing back to me, tear it apart, completely tear it apart. And I almost was like, I can't win. Like, I'm writing a sentence. Like, I don't understand. I'm a strong writer. So I had this counterpart. And I would, I started getting such an anxiety about sending these things because they were getting so, like, torn apart that I would send it to my counterpart. And I'd be like, can you help me write this week's, like, update? Because like whenever you do them they get approved and whenever I do them they're torn apart so my counterpart Crystal would literally write them for me and then we would submit them and they would get completely torn apart oh my god but when Crystal submitted them as she was doing it they wouldn't get any feedback at all so it was the same person writing them but mine were getting more feedback that is insane you get what I'm saying so then I'm like I can't win because I'm like, it was the situation where I had the right information, but I wasn't writing it in her voice. Yeah. I was writing it in my voice. But as long as the pertinent information is there, what's the problem? And I remember one day I just had this moment where we were in a conference room and I was at a breaking point and I said to her, like, can we please meet? And I just, I was crying. And you know you never want to cry at work. Yeah. But I was like, I feel like I can't win. Like, everything I do, you're redlining. And I feel like the information's there. And she kind of was like... We did have a turning point after that. She kind of was like, you know, the way I was managed always was like to be really hard on people and it helped me get better. And I was like, well, that doesn't help me because I'm breaking down because now I'm scared to send an email. Like I was actually making more typos and messing up more because I felt like I was under a magnifying glass. Yeah. I literally get like anxious talking about it. I know. It, I'm getting like stressed because I had a really horrible old job too. But it just really goes to show that like 
it takes time to find the right job and like if you're not happy at your current job this this should just give you hope like you're you're so much happier now I feel like and I always knew I wanted to work for myself for many reasons and like one of them was I always I always say this and it's a very cocky thing to say but like I always felt like I knew more than than my boss (laughs) and that's so messed up because I don't like I want to put that out there like I don't know more than people above me but at the time in my head I was like these semantics like this is getting us nowhere. It doesn't You're wasting matter your time. Either. I'm wasting my time. The correct information's there. Like it just always I wanted to have the final say to be like this is what I'm sending to the client. And it's so funny because when she left, my new boss let me just completely own those updates and never checked them. And there was never a problem. Yeah, also it's really important to learn how to talk to a client and the fact that she wasn't able to teach you that and like the fact that you didn't have any room to connect with the client yourself just isn't like oh there's no learning curve there the second she left I was running the account completely fine yeah no no issues no issues I feel like pressure has a lot to do with making mistakes like having that pressure over your head gives you more anxiety and then it gives you more room for it also breaks your confidence though because you're like wow I'm awful at my job and then the second she left I was like I'm good at my job. I'm doing completely fine. Yeah. And then I got really close with the client and she trusted me and the client would call me and we were fu- like, it was never me, mm-hmm. but she broke my confidence so low that I, I, they almost, they gave me a warning because she would go to her boss and be like, Alyssa can't perform. And they basically had to give me a warning. Like if you don't get better, like we don't know how much longer you're going to be here. Ugh. And I felt so stuck because I was like, she's controlling me. Oh, my God. That was a very bad manager experience. Um, So, yeah, if you guys are in an experience like that, I saw actually my friend Amanda, not skinny but not fat, post this on her stories yesterday, and I thought it was the truest statement ever. She was like, a job isn't a marriage. You could leave. You're dating your job. You can get out, and you can get a new one. Like, if, if you're being treated the way I'm describing currently, you don't have to just accept it because your boss is that way. Like, go get a different job. It's not like that anywhere. I've had fantastic managers after that mm-hmm. who trusted me and respected me and let me manage things on my own. And it was completely different. Yeah. It's funny enough because my job before that one, when I was working in entertainment PR still, my old boss, Tammy, who to this day, I only worked for her for like about a year, but I still consider her a mentor because I really respect her as a business owner and a boss. And she just is like bad bitch energy. I thought you were about to start shitting on her. No. And I was like, why would you say her name? <laughs> no, no, no. I really respect her. And she actually was the opposite where I was 23 I started working for her and I was hired as a junior account executive. And after week one, she goes, change your title. You're an account executive. Wow. And I didn't get a raise or anything, but she was like, you're not at junior level. And it was my second job out of college. I was running point on my own client brand. I was running point on Nicki Minaj's Moscato mixed cosmetics, running an entire spirits brand, securing the press, running the calls with men triple my age running the entire client doing the updates every week doing the reports doing everything for the brand and she just trusted me to like run my own account 
And then my job after that was the one where I was being micromanaged. So picture being at such a high level at such a young age, having all this creative control and trust, and then going to a position where like people are basically making you feel like your job's in jeopardy and you're so bad at what you do. Wait, so why did you, why did you leave the one that was good? Or was it just her that was good? It was, you know, it's funny because I could have like wrote it out with her. And like, I, like I said, I really respected her. It was more I was over the entertainment industry at that point because it was a lot of like late nights, long hours. Um, it's a grind. And and events stop being less like glamorous when you're doing them all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just like a rat's race. And I just was like, I want a secure environment where we were in like a small little office. There was five of us. And I was like, I want like – a company with like a coffee machine and like a not that we didn't have but you know what I mean like yep. a communal kitchen and yeah. I just wanted more of like a structured environment mm-hmm. um and better benefits and I was over the rats race at that point yeah that but makes sense. but um yeah I would actually like to have Tammy on the podcast because she just signed um a like NBA player from the Oklahoma Thunder and she's worked with so many rappers and athletes and she's just like a visionary she's really incredible so next time she's in New York I would love to interview her um okay let me ask a few more questions because I don't want this intro to get too long what personality traits are necessary for a career in PR um I think there's a big misconception that if you're a social person you're going to thrive in PR and I think that is like completely false I don't know about anymore because I haven't worked in the industry for quite some years but you need to be an extremely strong writer um very important because you wordsmith things you come up with branding and messaging you have to be extremely strategic and a forward thinker and you have to have like the ability to see trends um and like trend forecast so I think it's less about being like, oh, I'm bubbly. I'm a Samantha from Sex in the City. No, it's more about um, can I get minimal pay and have my boss screaming at me? And am I, are you ready to climb the ladder? Because um, you start off doing a lot of admin stuff and then you grow your way up to the higher strategic stuff. So it's a long game. Like any job, I think a lot of people now start jobs and expect to just like hit the ground running. Like you really have to work your way and climb your way up the ladder. And um, all these negative things, like said, I still love PR. Like I am a publicist through and through, like innately. But it is, I would get some internships before you just decide on a career to figure out what sector of the business you like working in. Um, what was your day-to-day like? Every day was different. Running client calls, sending updates. When I worked on the Johnson & Johnson business, it was way less pitching and way more strategy. So, for example, um, and a lot of influencer stuff, but now agencies are different because agencies – now brands have a PR agency for press, an influencer marketing agency for influencers, a social media in- – agency for social media 
Um, there's so something else for ad sales. There's so many different like sectors, but when I worked in PR and, and influencers were really coming to the scene, most of my job when I was working on Johnson Johnson brands were sourcing influencers, contracting them, and then helping them with their content creation for campaigns and then helping with the messaging around that so crafting what hashtag will they be using how can we make a campaign go viral what look and feel do we want the content to look like and so forth so every day was different um in the beginning of my career it was running around like a goose with my head cut off getting my boss's coffee and getting screamed at and trying to unjam the printer and then towards my end of the career it was like leading calls and um, sitting in on strategy and pitching new business. Oh, a lot of people ask for day-to-day, which is funny. How do I transition my PR skills into a different industry? I think publicists are salespeople that just don't make commission on their sales. I could sell this water bottle to anyone. Like, mm-hmm. when you are a publicist, you have so many skill sets. Don't take that for granted. We basically are selling an image, selling a product to to the masses So I think it's great to go into sales. I think it's great to go into strategy, influencer marketing, digital, whatever kind of career you want to ricochet into next. Also, you're a publicist, so just sell yourself to the job that you're applying to and make them believe that they need you to help them. Like, no one could better PR yourself than you can. Um, Okay, I'm going to do a few more. Talk about NDAs. Talk about shows that were the worst and the pros and cons of the job. NDAs um did I ever sign it I did sign NDAs mostly around celebrities but I also think it's just an understanding when you're in the industry if you're working with a celebrity you keep your mouth shut like you're you're trying to stop them from getting pad press so why are you gonna go out there and talk about your client and like leak information it makes no sense I've signed NDAs more so with like when I've like filmed some stuff with Bravo TV like you sign NDAs for reality TV a lot. Um, I don't think I really signed that many NDAs, which is why I'm going to spill the tea on in my book. <laughs> um, um, okay, last question. Then we're going to wrap this. Why did you leave? Why did you get into PR, former PO, PR pro myself? Well, I talked about why I got into it and why did I leave? I left because I always wanted to start my own business. I was super passionate about that. I knew I would. I just, I thought, my business would be different than what it ended up being because at my very first job I would say to my dad I'm gonna start my own agency one day and he was like oh okay (laughs) like he didn't doubt it he was like all right and then as I started working in PR agencies I was like I am never having a PR agency these women are freaking nuts the people that run these things but I still had a desire to work for myself So when I was at my third job, I started my blog, Publicity, started my Instagram. Um, As that started growing momentum, I started making money. The first year, I think I made like 5K. The second year, I made like 25K. The third year, I was making like a salary. And by the time I was like making a salary, I was banking money into a savings and when I hit 100,000 followers, I was at my fourth job at this point, my fourth PR job. I hit 100,000 followers, and I was like, I'm quitting. Yeah, I mean. And I quit I on a whim. Reasonable. Yeah, I quit on a whim, too. Like, 
my I kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and my parents were like all right like really think it through like relax and then um I was in a meeting and I decided I'm quitting in April and it was like a few months before April and my boss sat us all down in a room and she's like we lost the piece of business that we're working on they decided to no longer sign with us and I don't want you guys to think your job's in jeopardy but you know like that's a big chunk of change for the company to lose and she basically was like we need to start having conversations about what brand you're going to start working on now that they're gone and you were just like bye-bye she was like you're in jeopardy I'm not yeah she was like and I want to talk about it so I stayed in her office after and I was like look Nicole I respect you and I don't want to have conversations about which brand I'm going to be working on when I know very well I'm quitting in two months. And she was like, okay, I respect it. Did you quit in two months or then in there? I was like, I'm not going to put my two weeks in because I want to get paid up until April. But I also don't want to be phony with you for two week, two months. And she was like, she got it. She knew I was an influencer. They knew. Yeah, they're like, this girl's getting a fall and she's going to leave any second. Yeah, and she was like, okay. So two weeks went by. Like Finally, I put in my two weeks, quit. The next day, jetted off to Coachella, Love. went to Paris, went to Miami. I was like on a high. And then I worked for myself for two and a half years before starting here. Boom. That's a little bit about me. That's a little bit about PR. If you guys want me to do another episode where I deep dive into more, I can. There is so much. Like, I feel like this is just me scratching the surface. So let me know. Um, And here's my conversation with Emily. We kind of do get into this kind of conversation, but about the modeling industry, which I think is freaking fascinating. And um, she's just absolutely wonderful. So after that, I will see you back here for Ask Alyssa. Okay, guys, I am here with my beautiful guest today, Emily Donato. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I know. Finally. I know. Finally, we met. I was like being a little wishy-washy. You know you know how it goes well, with it DMs. The pandemic and things were <laughs> happening. So we always knew we wanted to do it. So here we are. Here we are. Finally, we made it happen. Exactly. And there's so much going on in your life. You launched a skincare brand. You are pregnant. <laughs> do you feel like the pandemic changed everything for you because so much happened during that time I imagine yeah I do feel like there's been like a lot of changes like I just feel like you know launching the business and then being pregnant and then like what is my life going to be like after all of this or like the on the other end of it Mm. but is there really another end of it like I have no idea but um dealing with all those changes is definitely a lot so (laughs) what people probably most know you for is being a model Mm -hmm. and like a legitimate model too (laughs) like you are on covers and runways and doing the thing yeah I always I feel like people know me from that but it's funny I feel like these days people know me from like YouTube or Mm -hmm. social media more like I was talking to you about this earlier but people will come up to you and be like oh my god like you taught me how to do my hair with a flat iron because like one of my videos on YouTube that one has like five million views and I'm like that and many other things but yes (laughs) that's so funny but I think you know there aren't that many like high end models that I could say really bridge the gap between being like relatable because a lot of like runway models are very elusive like mm-hmm. you don't really know much about them you don't 
like you know they're thin but you're like but did they work out or you don't really know how they got that way or why they're that way that's true and that's by design for a lot of people I mean when I first started modeling which was in 2009 that was very much like people would always say to me like agents and stuff would be like you smile too much like you give away too much like you're too American and I'm like what am I supposed sorry (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna gonna walk in and pull a French accent Um, but being like unknown and kind of Mm. mysterious was very much like part of the brand but then over the last five to six years like social media was I mean even more than that social media became so important and I was like I mean I can do that I like doing stuff like that um but sometimes I do feel kind of different from some of my peers (laughs) well you know what it is because I noticed this when I met a lot of fashion bloggers a lot of them their online persona wouldn't necessarily match their in-person persona Mm -hmm. and I don't even mean that to be like oh they weren't nice it's not that but you can't tell if someone's shy by looking at a photo Mm -hmm. because you see them holding balloons and flowers and smiling and you think oh my gosh they must be the friendliest person ever they must be so outgoing and then you meet them and they're like timid and not that friendly and I feel like it's probably similar with models where it's like the opposite though like when I meet people in person like because people would know me from being a model and like you know being in commercials and stuff and then I would meet them and speak to them maybe they'd be like oh my god I never expected you to sound like that yes um and then I'm like kind of this energetic like bubbly person versus you know I feel like sometimes with influencers I've had the exact same thing Uh where I meet them in person and they're so quiet and so shy and then I look at their social and I'm like who is that oh my god (laughs) do you know that's that's why I think TikTok is like supreme Mm -hmm. because it gave at least for me even I had a hard time I've always had this outgoing personality I love to talk I love to be a jokester and I felt like what I needed to put on Instagram was to be brand friendly to make money because it was my job whereas once TikTok started I just started being my like wacky self Mm -hmm. and you feel so much more seen for who you are and your audience gets to know you so for you to be a model who's just seen in pictures to show your personality I'm sure people really resonate with that yeah I mean I think over the years they definitely have and I've enjoyed kind of sharing like the behind the scenes of Mm -hmm. what goes on and like whether that's emotionally spiritually mentally physically like what's happening so I do think it it resonates and I feel like it allowed me to connect with people so much more like how much can you look at like a really great modeling photo and like post that on Instagram like no one cares even when I post stuff like that like it gets Mm. like no likes it's so true because this week I did like more of like a fashion forward shoot and like my engagement sucked on those pictures people like when I'm just like out drinking yeah exactly they want to see you they can see through it do you think being in an industry that's so focused not even an industry just a world a society that's so focused on the way people look Mm -hmm. did you always feel like you had to go an extra mile to prove to people I'm not just a model I'm not just a pretty face like hey guys there's like a person in here I don't think I felt like I had to prove like that I'm not just a model I've definitely interact and I have my own thing like my own complex yes like I've definitely run into models like that who like go out of their way to like prove that they like read books and like are smart and you're like I never said Mm -hmm. you were not those things (laughs) for me. It was more so like I had such 
like low confidence to do like anything else like to venture outside of modeling meaning like I had such bad imposter syndrome even with like being an influencer and posting on social to like starting my skincare brand Covey like I would be like I'm just a model like people are gonna be like what Uh, is this like dumb girl like who never went to college who has no experience like what does she know that was definitely more of like more of my complex like Mm -hmm. I'd just be like oh I shouldn't speak here like I don't know like I'll just stick to being pretty and like yeah like you almost like played yourself into the whole I can't do more than this yeah exactly because like you're kind of told for so long where to go what to do how to be how to look and then when you're people ask of something else of you I I was kind of like are you are you sure you want to know what I think Mm, that's so interesting (laughs) yeah so that's like my biggest thing like I I try so hard like I when I go into meetings or like calls for work for like my skincare brand I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like you're gonna say at least three things on this call because otherwise I will be completely quiet you're just kind of like mentally trained yes. to just sit and listen. Yes. Like I'm so good at like taking direction and like doing what I'm supposed to do. And then mm-hmm. anything beyond that, I'd be like, no. It's so <laughs> funny how our experiences shape us because before my first few jobs were very much like Devil Wears Prada mm-hmm. where I speak when spoken to, don't ask questions, people yell at you and you just have to take it. And like that was like the environment, you know, the fashion industry. That's like kind of the environment I grew up in. And I even catch myself here where I'm working at a company that is known for being outspoken known for being different and I still find myself sometimes not like I'm assertive when I need to be but I will just like spoke when speak when spoken to type of thing and I'll have to remind myself sometimes like no you could pop your head into their office and say hello they'd probably really appreciate that yeah because it's a nice normal thing to do (laughs) but in my head I'm like you're not allowed to talk to the boss yeah I completely know what you mean and you have to rewire that sometimes totally yes and like not overthink it and just like follow your gut and your instincts but yeah to like it it is hard for not to listen to those voices that tell you to like be quiet and to hide Mm -hmm. and like Not speak. Because it is hammered into you in some aspects. Like being in the fashion industry, what – I'm sure you see such a difference on sets now than you did when you first started. Oh, my God. Totally. Yeah. It's crazy. Like – I, I, my mom brought it up the other day and she was like, I'll never forget how they treated you. Oh, like, my mom does the same thing. Oh yes. my God. Because people were just <laughs> cruel. Um, and it's funny cause like I was talking to someone in the industry the other day about my pregnancy and he was like, well, you're going to get snatched after this, right? Like what's the plan? Oh. And I was like, I don't think you're supposed to say that anymore. I'm all, almost like it's almost refreshing because you're like, oh, wow. Like no one says stuff like that You're like, anymore. wow, I haven't heard that. No, 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 no. But like when you were when I was younger, when I first started and like the types of conversations that would happen on set and the things that were said were just like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like would people outwardly be like, oh, you need to lose 10 pounds? People would just, yes, yeah. <laughs> they would be like, I remember I was in a fitting for a really big job and – the job was in two, two days and the and the guy who was like the the boss the person and I was really young was like it would be great if you could just lose five pounds by then it, it would just be like you would just be like that much better so in other words let me just not eat for two days so I could fit your you know standards but I was so young that I was like for sure Oh, of course. I'll I'll figure out how to do that. And I remember I like passed out on the treadmill like that day because I was like running like a maniac and like not eating anything because I was just like, 
you know, like we were just saying, I just was like, I would do what I'm told. And if that's what needs to be done for the job. And of course, there's a million layers beneath that because I thought I was just like doing my job. But of course, there was like mental health and like an eating disorder and like many other things happening there. Um, But yeah, people would just straight up be like, you need to lose weight. You should give up carbs. Like that's what this person did. And Mm -hmm. they lost weight or like, I can't shoot you when you're fat like this, like straight up. And I would just be there like, and then you have to sit on set for the rest of the day with these people. And you know what else? (laughs) It's fear-based because as the person, although you are like, they shouldn't be talking to me like this. You're like, either I do what they say or I lose my job and therefore I have no income. So it's all based in this like weird, it's all packaged up in a way where you almost can't say anything because if you do, then you lose the job and that, and then you're in a lose-lose either way. So it's like either you do what they want you to do mm-hmm. or you don't have the job. Yeah, kind of. And then you go and get into this kind of circle where you're like, well, I chose to do this job. Mm. And this is part of the job. Just like any job, there's requirements. But at the end of the day, if you want to, like, survive, you can't live like that. Like, no. in the long term. No. no. It was just too tough on me. So when did you start? Because I assume it happened. Like, advocating for yourself more and just like setting boundaries and being like you know I'm not really comfortable with that yeah I mean I like I went through a period where I was really really thin and not eating very much over exercising and I had gotten to like the thinnest I had ever been and I was going to work and people were telling me that I still wasn't looking very good because I wasn't I was like so unhealthy (laughs) and sad looking like so many people would be like this actually doesn't look very good on you and I was like how am I going to win this game? I don't mm. understand. Um, I got super burnt out after that. Like I would call that, like I kind of had a mini mental breakdown because I was just getting negative feedback and my career wasn't going the way that I wanted. And I was totally miserable and spiraling. So I actually went home to upstate New York. And I remember I stayed with my parents for a few months and I thought I was going to quit honestly, because it was still early on in my career. My friends were still in college and mm. I was like, I could still just go do that. Like yeah, maybe I'm young enough to completely pivot. I could. And I was like, and this is just making me crazy. And I gained a bunch of weight back, like, and then some, because like, I think my body was just like, finally, we're eating again. Mm. Yay. That's great. Um, And then I was like, you know what? I've come this far. I'm going to try to give it another go. And I remember saying to my agency and one agent in particular who like, I mean, thank God for him. He's the reason why I got as far as I did at this point was I was just like, this just has to be it. You got to work with like what Mm -hmm. I'm bringing to the table here. I want to do it. He wanted to do it. He was passionate about me, like meaning like work on my career. But I was like, I just like need to work with what I've got. Like I was like, I would rather be sending clients the most unflattering Polaroids and like my actual weight on the scale. Because if then at least if they say, great we want her they know exactly what they're getting yes as opposed to like sending the best picture of like the best moment or the best polaroid like do you know i do this on dating apps now no way (laughs) i like post my ugliest pictures that's actually genius because then i'm like i'd rather them be like wow she's prettier in person than be one of those girls that they're like wow she edited her photos and like she catfished me that's amazing strategy because i'm like you know what like i'd rather them be impressed than me feel insecure going in being like i posted a face tuned picture to my dating app and i don't freaking look like that oh that's a lose situation lose lose yeah I love that. So yeah, that's what I, that's where I kind of got to. So luckily I did have an agent who was receptive to that because I think a lot of other agencies would have been like, we don't care. Then on to the next girl. Mm. Um, But yeah, Yeah, it's about the team. Yeah. Like I had met with managers before where instantly 
like before I came here actually I was kind of like shopping around for managers and I would meet with this one agency that worked with tons of influencers in the city and they were all like blonde skinny girls Mm -hmm. and I made it a point in my meetings to be like I am not your current client like I am brunette I'm 5'3 I'm curvy like I need someone that's going to advocate for me and you it's important to find a team that like sees your vision totally and has your back because it's really tough when money's involved people just want a paycheck and a commission and they don't really care about you sometimes totally I think someone seeing the long-term vision of like where you see your personal Mm -hmm. brand or like career going is so important totally so now being pregnant and gaining weight clearly with a child you have to is that does that mess with your body image at all oh for sure yeah like I feel like I think the beginning was the hardest because like you just see your body changing slowly Mm -hmm. every single day and you're like I'm not doing anything different because in the beginning you're just kind of like doing your thing and you watch your body change. And I just like, and I actually just the other day saw like a horrific paparazzi photo of me like walking down the street and I was so triggered by it because I was like, oh my God, I look huge like I was like but I have a huge belly like what like, do there's I a child expect? in there like yeah you know like it is what it is and of course I've gained a little bit of weight it's not even that though sometimes it's just lighting I, I know it was just like a bad picture yeah. of a bad day I showed it to my husband and he was like this is not your best moment and I was like you're yeah, right like, you don't look like <laughs> yeah no like sometimes <laughs> honestly I could take pictures in different lighting on the same day and one yeah. of them I look skinny and normal and then the other one I'm like that is the most disgusting human I've ever like you just it's totally. a toss up. I think like the hardest thing is like y- there's a a certain lack of control that goes into it, right? Because like y- totally. your body kind of just has to do its thing. And I feel like it's been the ultimate test in terms of like eating intuitively and body positivity because mm-hmm. it's like I can't control what's happening here. Can I still love my body even though I can't look at it and be like, oh, like I've gained weight. Let me go do X, Y, and Z and start eating this and start working out with this person again. You know, because like for myself, Mm. like my model brain is like, I just like know what to do when I've like gained weight. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm just going to go do this, this, and this. Um, That diet brain is so strong because I've done the whole like counting calories thing before and sometimes like – I will catch myself because now I'm trying to like not do that. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like food freedom. Yeah. I will catch myself every day, I'd say, like looking at something and being like, oh, that's 120 calories. Oh, that's 30 calories. You, I know everything, Mm -hmm. but, um, and I'll be like, shh, do you want it? Are you hungry? What do you need? Yeah. And it's really tough because it's like this industry that life, the Mm -hmm. society it's just pounded into us all of these things and it's really hard to rewire it's so hard to rewire and I've like yeah I'm the same like I look at food still with that Mm -hmm. diet brain that's like such a perfect way to put it yeah and then I can't help myself but compare myself to like other influencers and models who like I don't know I see pictures of other models who are posting like two days postpartum like and like, look incri- <laughs> like it's so yeah. triggering and I know that that's like my work to do mm-hmm. you know that's not like someone else's fault because they look incredible yeah, postpartum totally. but I'm like oh my god like what am I gonna look like like what do I look like now like I don't look like you know people will be like oh my god she's all bump like all those terms that come mm-hmm. up and you're, I'm just like 
I'm not. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's yeah. It well, I think though for me, which probably is good for when I get pregnant, I actually look at the people who bounce back like the next week and in my head instead of being like, "Oh my god, that's going to happen for me." I'm like, "That is so r- rare that yeah. they're like that." That I'm like, "That's just never going to be the reality." That's kind of the same path I'm yeah. taking as well. I'm like, "I just know I'm not going to be one of those people waking up." Also, I don't even think I'm going to be wanting to take a mirror selfie like yeah. at the hospital when you see those ones on Instagram. I'm like, "I just know that's not going to be me." <laughs> I agree. It's like there's certain things like when I look at um, body positivity bloggers influencers tiktokers whatever they may be I give so much credit to the girls that like are posting their cellulite and pinching their skin because as much as I want to preach like being comfortable Mm -hmm. in your skin I feel like I'd be lying because I'm not always comfortable totally so for me it's like I can't pinch my fat and be like look I feel great no because I don't so for me it's like a lie if I'm to do something like that the people that can, I'm like, you are the bravest human in the world. Totally. I completely relate to that. And I feel like that's why anytime I talk about body positivity in any, in, in any way, I'm always like, this is my journey with it. Because yes. it's always different. Like, I have moments where I'm doing okay, even in my pregnancy. And then there are moments where I'm like, get, I get this baby out of me. I want to go run 12 miles mm-hmm. and, like, eat celery, my evil diet brain switching mm-hmm. on. So it's not always perfect. I think people almost don't talk about that enough with any kind of journey and anything it's like you never just some people may from my experience you never just turn a page and never look back Mm -mm. it's like you have to fight every single day to keep thinking the right way so you're not like reverting back to old patterns yeah the dialogue continues like I feel like I'm still fighting like those voices and Mm -hmm. like negative thoughts that creep in you know it's part of it it makes a lot of sense yeah to switch gears a little bit a lot of it um (laughs) I remember hearing a story of yours of how you met your husband yeah and I don't even remember where I listened to it. it was on a podcast a while ago but I want my listeners to hear because My dream, spoiler alert, is to meet someone on a plane. And I am notoriously known, my followers know, for meeting people on planes, women. Yeah, I do the same. (laughs) I have a bet. We all follow each other on Instagram. (laughs) Every single time I'm on a flight, I make a best friend. And I'm like, when's it going to be a guy sitting next to me? It's always just like a millennial girl who becomes my bestie. Um, So I want to hear your story because that is like the ultimate dream. Yeah. So I met my husband on an airplane. We sat next to each other. So we were both flying from New York to Denver uh, for work. I was going to shoot the cover of Vogue Australia and he was going for like a work ski trip. We sat next to each other, which was really crazy because I had a new flight. My original one got canceled. Mm. So this was the one that I got on. So it really, really was like a fate situation we sat next to each other I slept the first half of the flight woke up and then we spoke the second half of the flight so how did you go into speaking and (laughs) did you know you wanted to speak so I did check him out when he got on like I remember it so vividly because I checked him out he Mm. was on the phone he was talking really loud I was looking at his computer because I wanted to see what he was working on I'm such a spy I I read their emails yeah Yeah. same and I know people do that to me too like I'm so nosy and I also always meet people on airplanes like and, and keep in touch with them I'm one of those people. So maybe this is my 
my this destiny be. because I'm telling you I oh I was reading the woman next to me she was fighting with her boyfriend I know <laughs> everything and then I always try to find a way to broach talking to them because I'm an anxious flyer yeah so I like to talk so then like halfway through if they like move a little I'm like oh sorry do you want to get up and then they'll take out their headphones and then I just I'm in there <laughs> There's your opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So he, the first thing he said to me, it was not a very good pickup line. He was like, did you just order a beer? Because I ordered a Sprite. Mm. Not a good pickup line. No. But he was like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, he needed something. <laughs> he needed something. And then we started talking. We had a ton in common. We were both from upstate New York. We lived on the same block in New York. And we had mutual friends. Oh, my God. So we were kind of like, oh, this is interesting. We exchanged numbers. And he continued to call and text me for like, two months after that like he was very persistent well, he's like I just met a model we have all this in common and she's going to shoot Vogue so he's like I can't blow this yeah I'm glad he was persistent because I was like so busy working mm-hmm. and traveling and I was just kind of like whatever this guy keeps like he would text me and be like oh cool like yeah like nice. not much just like in Paris working like see you later and he was like I was trying but like you weren't really <laughs> catching on and then I invited him to my birthday party in New York when I got back and he came and then we like basically were dating ever since but yeah I always say to people who are single like you have to talk I I was always the kind of person like I'll talk to anyone sitting next Mm. to me and it sounds like you're that type of person totally and it's really helpful like it doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl old young like I'm like what's up I think (laughs) though if it's a guy I'm probably more timid Mm. than if I don't know because it's always girls I'm telling you this is like my (laughs) life story at this point I have like 10 plain friends that's amazing it's so funny but maybe this is my destiny yeah maybe I need to meet gotta someone travel on a more <laughs> I know um that is like the best best way to meet someone though no it definitely it definitely was and it's like continues to be like a part of our story that yeah. we got married in Colorado like we've really embraced you're it. like yeah and then we got married on a plane <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah that's cute you got married in Colorado yeah and like now you're welcoming we a baby up. exactly yeah do you know the gender gender or no it's a girl yeah oh, cute yeah I know it'll be good oh oh yeah. my god it's such a nice like stage in life to kind of um how old are you I have I'm no. 30 oh I'm 32 oh really cool because I figured because when you said you moved to the city 2009 yeah. I'm like that's when I had graduated high school high school and if you didn't go to college <laughs> then you definitely were exactly <laughs> same time do you ever like feel like you missed out by not going to college or no because you literally traveled the world no I definitely felt like I missed out I mean at the time aggressively felt like I missed out like I had really bad FOMO and I mean when your friends are at like frat parties and football games exactly like my friends were all posting like in frat houses like mm-hmm. in their basements playing beer pong and I was like in Paris and I'm just like I wish I was there and you probably be like, don't crazy. even like you probably don't even appreciate traveling as much then not at all yeah. like it really youth truly is wasted on the young like I always just wanted to come home so badly and mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up traveling at all so like I only started traveling internationally when I started modeling and it all felt so much and so like different and when I would get into a new place I'd be like ah this it was so jarring for me so I would always just, like, stay in my hotel room and then, like, go to work and then go home. Like, I was so bad at exploring. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely felt that FOMO. And then I went to Columbia as an adult when I was 27 for, like, two years, which was great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, like, because I always wanted kind of that experience. And I had been modeling for a while. And I was, like, I just want to see if I can kind of do it. Yeah. And then I went and I did pretty well. I was, like, oh, college, like, school generally is so much easier as an adult. Because yeah, you're, like, true. oh, you just, like, study and do what you're, you're supposed to actually there because you chose to go that's why 
which was a great experience. And then after that, after I got a couple of A's, I was like, I think I'm good. I was yeah, like, I get it. I can do it. <laughs> Fine. It was a real confidence boost, though, for sure. So how did you go from not going to college, going to Columbia, launching a skincare business? Yeah. So that, we, I started working on that with my business partner over three years ago. Um, I had loved beauty, loved skincare, used a million products. Like my routine was so complicated and crazy. Same with my business partner. She's also my best friend. Um, we were traveling together and we would lug our stuff everywhere mm-hmm. with us. And we'd be like, we don't even know what any of this does or oh why we need to use it. Same. But like we get so much stuff and we just put it in the regime. Well, then you feel like, <laughs> oh, I feel like, okay, as someone that gets beauty packages sent to me, Totally. all the time I've always said this I'm like this is one of the most cluttered markets in the sense that you're saying you're number one in the market you're saying you're number one yeah Who, what actually works what type of skin do I have like it's really tough as a consumer yeah to know what to use totally. and what works for you and that was like myself and my business partner Christina we did three years of research and we realized like those were the key questions people were asking which were like they didn't know what products they needed in their routine they didn't know if they worked together if they paired together mm. and they didn't know the order they used them in so that's why we created the cubby routine so it's just three simple Simple steps that were formulated to be used together. Like this is your That's foundation so of your much routine. Easier. Like just start here. You can add, you know, you need your SPF, like do those things, but like start here with in terms of like your 101 routine. Um, and we partnered with a dermatologist, Dr. Julie Rusak, who's my personal derm here in mm. New York to help us formulate them. And it's just been, it's been great, but it was a long journey and like took so, so long. And we tested it on over 150 different people. Like it was a very long journey. Well, you have beautiful skin. Thank so. you. I trust it. <laughs> Thank um, you. Do you feel like pregnancies made your skin better or worse? Um, I think a little bit of both. Because I don't see a freaking blemish in sight. Like I had some acne in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like it was, and I, I'm not really, I didn't have acne growing up, but it definitely did happen in the beginning. And then since then, it's just kind of cruising along. Leveled out. But yeah. I definitely keep it really simple and use like clean, non-toxic products and just like, Keep it simple and keep it consistent. You know, with my skin, it is like a journey for me as mm-hmm. well because, well, I, I went off birth control for a few years and I started getting like cystic acne and I'm like, what the hell? Like this, just when, you know, around my period, I'd get like one on my chin, yeah, like the under the skin. And recently I had to go back on birth control for um, like a cyst and my skin's been amazing ever since I went back on it. And I'm like... I forgot like yeah how much this actually clears up your skin but for me it's actually funny because the less I use the better sometimes I feel like my skin is yeah. so something that's like a three-step process for me is perfect yeah. when I was using 10 freaking things I felt like a grease ball yeah. my skin was not necessarily like doing better with it yeah that's exactly how I felt as well like whenever someone would recommend a product I would buy it I would use it add it to my regime and then I would go to work and like makeup artists that I would work with consistently would be like what are you doing now Mm. because it would be like flaking it would be dry and I'd be like I'm using like all the best stuff Yeah, like I'm using La Mer yeah (laughs) but like I had no idea how to use it in what order if it worked well with the other products that I was using and I really just realized that like simplifying it 
is like absolutely the key like mm. and the more I complicated it the worse my skin got and the more overwhelmed I felt so and I was not alone in that do you see yourself expanding the skincare line or business or do you see yourself doing something else down the road too like a separate venture no we definitely plan on expanding but the thing is with Covey is that we're going to make sure that we only launch skincare essentials these are things that your yeah. derm would recommend something that you use daily is like foundational in your mm. routine like there'll be no kind of fluffier products mm, like um, a body lotion yeah <laughs> yeah like something like that like something that you, you I get what you're saying like something that's like you use it's not like you said, fluffy. It's yeah. just basic. This is what's good for you. This is what works. Exactly. Like just simple, effective, and like works in your routine. Um, but yes, we do plan on expanding, but we'll definitely never be one of those brands with like a launch every month or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I know. Cause it kind of makes it hard to trust the brand then because totally. you're like, I thought this last launch was the best product <laughs> yeah. you've ever had. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like we're really thoughtful about it. And like I listen to my audiences and Cubby's audiences as well in mm-hmm. terms of what people want and what they're asking for. And we already, are working on like what those products are and what people have asked for so and it's nice because I just constantly have people telling me like I like this product but wish it did x y and z or like Mm. I wish my product did this so we kind of have a like built-in focus group at all times so it's good that's the one thing that's great about getting like feedback from your community because you literally could use them as a focus group totally I use my community all the time I'm like polls like it's just such an easy way to get feedback without just like trying to guess yourself like where do I go next? Totally. And that goes for anything from like skincare to like life stuff, like for suggestions, like people are just there and want to help. So it's, it's amazing. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming on and yeah. where can everyone follow you and Covey and everything. You can follow me at Emily Donato, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and then Covey is just at Covey. That's it. I think. I love it. Yeah. Thanks Th- for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, guys, before we get into the Ask Alyssa segment, I wanted to tell you about the Barstool Sports Store. If you've bought my merch, I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure you've looked at it. And since fall is here, you could shop all of our best-selling hoodies in the Barstool Sports Store at store.barstoolsports.com. And if you guys want my stuff specifically, it's store.barstoolsports.com slash publicity to shop all my stuff. Oh, and by the way, now that I'm talking about it, I have new fall merch launching. I think we're going to do it Black Friday so you can get it at a discount and then everything will ship before Christmas. So that's the news there. And um, yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys that because you better be repping some of my stuff. Get it now before the new stuff launches because it might be going away. I don't know how long it's going to be on there. So it is store.barcelsports.com. And now let's get into Ask Alyssa. Okay, guys, we have another long one today, but you know I like all of the information. So this person said, Ask Alyssa. This one may be a little long. My fiance and I have been together for three and a half years, and we were friends for a year prior to us both dating. We met in his college town, and shortly after us becoming friends, he moved to a different state. After us dating for a year long distance, my company was able to move me to his state to be with him. When I was still... In said college town, I became friends with some of his friends, but they were always his friends first. There is this girl, let's call her Sandy, who has been friends with my fiance longer than I have, and they have had a sexual past together. Sandy is now moving to our state a few hours away and is calling and texting my fiance to try to get advice and meet up with him. She messaged him last night while at a bar, a little tipsy, I'm sure, letting him know she's driving to our state today. She asked him where we live so she could find a hotel nearby because she wanted to go out with us tonight. 
Side note, I haven't seen my fiance since Thursday because I've been out of town for work, so I'm exhausted. I'm not thrilled that he kind of made plans for us to hang out and kind of cornering me into saying yes. I was upset and expressed my concerns, and he told me I was overreacting and being jealous. He then tried to calm me down by letting me read their conversation. First, their conversation started yesterday, and the first thing he said to her was that he was going to a city near hers while I am out of town for a birthday so he could introduce her to his friends near her while I'm not there. He's telling me I shouldn't be concerned and that he loves me so much, but this is the second time he has had a conversation with Sandy and leaving out details until I find them out later. Can you give me advice on how I should approach this? Also, she has my contact info and social media where she can contact me, but she still only contacts my fiance. Even though my fiance says how much she she wants to see me the two of us were never really individually close we mostly just snapped each other a few years ago but haven't really talked ever since she's also just recently divorced let me know if you can give some advice I love my fiance with all my heart I just question her intentions I question her intentions too I do too especially if she's recently divorced recently divorced texting him and not her I mean I get it because you you were friends with her first but it's it's a respect thing and it's also like you can't trust the fact that she's like, oh, I want to see her. Like, that's just a n- nice thing you say when you want to see him. I just <laughs> think, agree, and she should put you in the text. Group you chat know, Group chat I'm, like, it. trying to think because obviously I'm not in a relationship, but my sister is. And I'm trying to think, like, if someone kept reaching out to my sister, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband. That you had, a like, the used to with him. I feel like they the person normally would just chat them both in a group and be like hey I'm coming to town like would love to see you guys it's a respect thing I do believe your fiance is potentially like a little naive to the fact that she maybe likes him because he is being like here's my text like it's nothing yeah like I do believe maybe on his part it is completely innocent and also he might be naive to being like no we're just friends it's nothing like I don't care about her but I don't trust her intentions so I think you can maybe say to your fiance hey you know moving forward next time she texts you why don't you include me in a group chat so the three of us could have conversations and make plans together it would just make me feel a little bit more comfortable if she realized that you were like lumping me in and I think that's a good way for them both to kind of send a message to her Mm. like we're a unit and if you want to hang out with us as a couple this is how we're going to communicate yeah that's really important like the fact that they are a unit that's a really good comment because yeah if they're a unit then he should be comfortable doing that yep. and she'll see it on her and end. he has like, nothing oh, to hide shit. it sounds like he doesn't I feel like he wouldn't even mind doing that he'd be like yeah like whatever yeah because he's showing you his text anyway like I don't believe he is hiding something so I would just maybe have a conversation and be like you know maybe this would make me feel a little more comfortable just to let her know that I'm aware that you're talking and that it's not this private thing and I don't know that's the only thing I could think of that could maybe make it a little a little more comfortable okay ask Alyssa hey girl I'm from Ontario Canada and I just got offered a job with an NHL team in another province This is an amazing opportunity, but I feel like if I go, I am letting so many people down. My boyfriend of almost four years is fully on board and would be coming with me, but he wouldn't have a job. I just feel like if I were to go, I am affecting everyone's life, like his, his friends, and family. 
I would love to hear your thoughts and advice. You are so inspiring and I love the pod. Um, take the job. If your boyfriend's willing to go with you, that's his choice to leave his friends and family. And he's making that commitment. And then he can get a job in the, in the city once you guys are there. I don't think, I don't think you should take on the burden of him making a choice. Like, I th- also, you wrote this in at the end of September, so I'm sure you've made up your minds by now. So I would love an update because I'm curious if you freaking took the job. But I really, really, really hope you did because to me, it sounds like an opportunity. One, it's with the NHL. Two, it sounds like it's something you're super excited about. And you can't live your life worrying about what other people are going to think because at the end of the day, everyone's kind of selfish and makes decisions for themselves. And this sounds like a good career move for you. So I hope you took it. Okay. Last, last one. Here is an Ask Alyssa for you as I truly value your opinion and feel like we have a similar thought process. I've been dating my boyfriend for five years and we are solid. He has an amazing long-term friendships with his buddies from high school. We are in our thirties. From the very beginning, I never had any issues with the guys. They, quote, love me and love us together. But I also knew it was important for my own sanity to get in with the girls of the group. Unfortunately, things just never clicked. While it has always been cordial and friendly, the relationships I had hoped for never developed. I feel that recently one girl in particular, the girlfriend of my boyfriend's best friend, has become really fake towards me. Everything from the way she hugs me, hello, to small comments or questions she asks me tend to feel super fake and borderline rude. I try to be self-aware. I know I have some jealousy issues. Jealous that she is engaged, jealous that they own a home and that she is a size zero and looks like a model, I could go on. But lately, every time I see her, I leave the situation really upset. Do I address this with her and risk the pleasantries we do have or just try to get over it knowing that this girl is not going anywhere and neither am I? Okay, because you mentioned you have jealousy issues, I wonder if you're unintentionally being snarky towards her being engaged and being thin and maybe that's making her not like you as a result. Like maybe... Again, I have no idea. I'm just assuming. Maybe you, maybe she eats something and you make a comment like, oh, wish I could eat that. Or, or maybe she is engaged and you make a comment about not being engaged. Potentially look at yourself and realize like, are you saying things that might be off-putting to her that are making her in turn not like you as much? If you're not doing those things and that's not something you're doing at all and you do tend to be jealous or you maybe also like reading the situation wrong, like assuming she doesn't like you when maybe you're just feeling that way about yourself, I would go into it with a fresh perspective. I don't think you need to address things with her because it can be awkward, but maybe go into your next few interactions with a different energy and see if she meets you with that energy. Like if you're bubbly and nice and happy to her, see how she responds to that. And maybe you two could have a different interaction. Sometimes I feel like when there's like an elephant in the room, you both kind of go in with awkward energy. And so it's just never going to get better. It's just going to keep getting more awkward. But maybe just try to go into it with like a fresh perspective and see if she has a different response to your presence. Um, I don't know though. I would look inward too and realize if you're doing anything 
And I'm not saying you are, by the way. I'm just curious because I know sometimes if we're not happy about something in our lives, we take it out in the people around us. So I just challenge you to look at that a little bit. That was good. (laughs) That was that. All right, guys. One last segment for today. We are going to spill the tea. The strobe light is still going off in here. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) Like, I'm just using, it's just part of me now at this point. Um, Okay, Courtney, Travis, a.k.a. Kravis, they are engaged. We called it. We knew it. I don't think anyone's surprised. I think what's most exciting is that this is Courtney's first engagement. And she's 41, I think, 42 or 40. And she's engaged for the first time. It's so funny, like, seeing her with the ring. You know, we've seen Chloe with... Lamar and Tristan and this and that and we've seen Kim and we've seen Kylie even with Travis have a baby I guess not be engaged but we've seen all of the sisters go through this and now finally Courtney the oldest one like it is her time she looks so happy um I'm not surprised at all I thought they would definitely get married and um I bet they'll welcome little babies I hope and I'm most excited for a Kravis wedding Oh because my God, it's gonna be sick. I know I did this whole TikTok about like this is how men envisioning oh, I saw their that. wedding. I saw that. And yeah, TikTok took it down for adult nudity. Like what the f- like why? Because she has an ass in the photo. She has a big butt, so they took it down for adult <laughs> nudity. Like I don't understand. Um but yeah, I'm super thrilled for them and um her ring is the ring that I want except like way way big. And yeah, I just think it's wonderful. And I, I really am happy for them. I think they've been friends for years. And I'm not surprised it moved this quickly at all. We saw this. I mean, their comments on each other's posts were like, you know, forever. Yeah. I want your skull. <laughs> like, literally. I hate those comments. They make me cringe. But I get it. Like, it's their little vibe together. Yeah. And there was a discussion in my Facebook group about Courtney changing her style for Travis. Did she? Oh, my God. Yeah. She went from just like – she was kind of more like tailored of a dresser. And now she's like punk rock, like black nail polish, combat boots, like well, skull they have necklaces. Match a little bit. But what do you – I feel two ways. Part of me is like, be an individual. Don't morph into the person you're with. But then the other part of me is like, if I was dating a punk rocker, like, I would probably do the same thing. And not because I don't have self-expression, but because you kind of just start liking the same things yeah, your partner likes. Yeah, that's, I think, likes. what it is. Yeah, like, I don't think it's always necessarily means, like, she lost herself. She's doing it just for a man. Sometimes it's just like, nah, like, this is what we're into right now. Yeah. I'm also super fickle like that. Like, my style changes every six months. So I could see myself doing that. And then just, like, the next month being back to, like, wearing pink. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's it for today. Um, There's not that much tea to spill. Oh, oh, one, one thing I wanted to share. I think I talked about this last week or the week before, but last weekend was the weekend of the Twilight Saga. This weekend was the weekend of the Hunger Games. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. First of all, the acting in the Hunger Games is so much better than Twilight. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even compare the two. Also, 
fantastic. I remember watching the Hunger Games. I read the books. I think it was like high school or college. I read the books. Absolutely adored them. Watched the movies. I don't know if I just never watched the final two or if I was like just too immature to like them because I I liked the seasons where they were in the actual Hunger Games versus when they were out of it in like the real world and there was like the war going on. But now as an adult watching the Catching Fire 1 and 2, I think it's called, the last two movies, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Jennifer Lawrence, I miss seeing her on like a screen. She's so stunning. She's unbelievable. Liam Hemsworth has a huge part in the movie. Spoiler alert if you've never seen it, but I had no idea her and Peta end up together. Like I don't know where I've been. Like I said, I read the books. I was shocked and I was hoping the whole time like I was rooting for her to be with PETA because I loved their bond. Then all of a sudden the last movie, they're together, they have kids and I'm like, oh my God, like uh, you would have thought this was my first time ever seeing these movies when I've literally read the, I don't understand, like I don't know how I forgot everything, but it was like a new journey for me rewatching these and I adored it. I feel like if you can handle Hunger Games, I feel like you might be able to handle Squid Game. I really want you to watch it, but I, I also it is a little bit more violent. So I started watching the Hunger Games because everyone's been talking about Squid Game, <laughs> Squid Games, whatever. And I was like, I can't handle that. But now I'm in the mood to watch people slaughter each other. So I'm going to watch The Hunger Games. It makes no sense. <laughs> it does make no sense. But I think because there's like a familiarity because I'd seen it before. Yeah. Although I might as well have never seen it before. Because you would just think I've never seen it. Like yeah. I had no idea what I was watching. Something would happen and I was like, <gasps> like gasping as if it was my first time. I, I, I don't know where my brain went. I don't know why. I just never retained that information. But highly recommend rewatching Twilight, rewatching The Hunger Games. And now I think my next conquest is Harry Potter. Oh my God. So my friend Jenna has been begging me. Well, she texted me like this summer being like, I really want you to read Harry Potter. Like, I really think you'd like it. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I know I would like it. I like sci-fi weird shit. I'm like, I know I would like it. I've read the first book. Like, I started it five times in my life. But I'll just reread it if I'm going to, you know, get into it. The thing is, I'm like, it's a big time commitment. And she's like, well, just watch the movies, one through three, then start the books. I'm like, no, if I'm reading the books... I need to read all the books and I need to commit to it. So she's like, okay, this winter, like, you have to promise me you're going to read all of the Harry Potter books. And I think I'm going to do it. But now I also kind of just want to watch the movies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so, like, not into the Harry Potter I think I'd be into it. I also need something to do at night that I'm not on my phone. So, like, maybe it would be a good thing to just pick up, like, before bed. Yeah. I think I'm gonna do it guys you know what maybe I'll watch the first movie because I have read that first book so many freaking times like I've started so many times that maybe I will just watch the first movie and then start on the second book yeah that could be a good idea so I might do that this weekend join me <laughs> all right guys that's it for today's episode I hope you enjoyed this one we will be back next week with our 50th episode talk to you later bye <laughs> I, I'm telling you I'm dyslexic with numbers. Okay, Emily just made a good point. She's like, you keep telling everyone you're on your 50th episode. I'm on my 40th episode. 
I, what's wrong with you, me? You said you mentioned it in the last podcast, and I was like, wait, this can't be right. And I saw it, and I noticed that it was your. I've been 40. telling everyone, and then you well, because then you started the episode today saying your fiftieth episode, your fiftieth episode, and while you were talking about it, I double checked, but I didn't want to interrupt you because you were like kind of on a roll, <laughs> and I was like, maybe I'll just tell her after and see what she wants to do. <laughs> so I just didn't interrupt you, you guys. It's so weird because just today I was writing 39. Like, I know it's not I know. My you're the one that writes it. So I had a feeling that you knew. But maybe I would, in the back of my head, I was like, maybe this is her 50th and she has no. like 10 secret episodes somewhere. No, I, I have a, I have an issue <laughs> processing numbers. Like, I'm telling you, we were talking about this last, we were filming something for a different show the other day. And I was like telling everyone how... I can't process dates and numbers. It's so, I, I honestly think it's like a learning disability. I will look, like, I will look, today I looked 39, but I keep saying 50. I can't, like, retain. It's so weird. It's so weird. I don't even know how to describe it. Oh, my God. Well, now, so now guys, you know. Next week's my 40th episode. We just needed to put a little correction in there at the end. Um, it doesn't really matter anyway, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But I just thought I hit this, like, milestone. Well, yeah, 50th is definitely a milestone, but so is 40th, so. So is 40. <laughs> All right, love you guys. Bye. <laughs>